thing. He is able to handle anything that comes my way. It's been said that Jesus is the master of every situation and the conqueror of every enemy. Now I want you to think about that statement for a moment. And I want you to think about your own situations in your life right now. Some are difficult. Some situations you may be thinking, there's no way that I'm going to get through this. Jesus is the master of every situation. Think about enemies right now. Satan wants you to believe that you have a lot of enemies in your life. And he wants you to keep believing that every day. And then we hear the voice of God that says, but we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so not only is Jesus the master of every situation, he is the conqueror of every enemy that comes our way. And so if we trust him and follow his ways, we'll never be afraid. I invite you this morning to the hearing and reading of God's word from Mark chapter 5 and on into Mark chapter 6. And I'm going to read more than I usually do in a sermon, but I'm doing this for a reason this morning, and I want you to, I want you to really hear these miracle stories that speak of the power of Jesus. And so you can close your eyes, don't go to sleep. You can close your eyes and hear these. You can look at the screen, you can turn to page 710 through 712 in your pew Bibles. However you want to do that is fine, but I want you to listen to the reading of God's Word this morning beginning in Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, or the Sea of Galilee. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anywhere, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God. In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. 
And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. And when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, and he said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. And a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. And because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering And while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and he said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. And he took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She's only 12 years old. And at this, they were completely 
astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Then a couple of pages over, in chapter 6, I want you to jump down to about verse 45, where Jesus is walking on the water. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And later that night, a boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. And he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He's about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them. The wind died down. They were completely amazed. May God bless the reading of his word. Do you notice what happened in those miracle stories? When Jesus comes on the scene, it was always at the right time. Many times we're quick to question God's timing. We wonder where he is and why he's not doing what we think needs to be done. But when you go back and you look at these three pages of Scripture, they're just another example of the entire gospel account. They're just another example that reminds us that God, through his son Jesus, knows us better than we think. And he knows us so good that at just the right time, he's going to act on our behalf. For example, we read in other places in Scripture At just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We find that at the perfect moment in time, God sends Jesus into the world. And in the story of Lazarus, we find that when others thought Jesus was late, he's right on time. And when he saved your soul, wouldn't you say it was at the perfect time? And when he returns... Someday, it will be the perfect time. It will be at just the right time when he's ready. And so as you study the life of Jesus, you witness many miracles. And you see lives that are radically changed by a touch or even at the sound of Jesus' voice. I want to introduce you this morning to a song. It's an African song. It's a song that's sung in Lesotho. It's a song about all kinds of distress, all kinds of trouble. And then there's a refrain in it where at the end of every terrible story, Jesus enters the picture. And the refrain translated in English says this, and then... Jesus came. Say that with me this morning. And then Jesus came. Say it again. And then Jesus came. A friend of mine who preaches in South Texas was in his office here a while back and he heard 
one of his co-workers, another minister on staff there, singing this song in Lesotho. And he walked into his office and he said, Milt, tell me about the song you're singing. I want to know more about it. And he begins to describe to his friend the song. And how in life we're all faced with trouble. We're all faced with strife. We're all faced with just one thing after another. But the whole point of the song is the refrain, and then Jesus came. And so I looked the words up to the song, and here it goes. One sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows, and then Jesus came and bid the darkness free. And when Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, all tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and he fills my heart with glory, for all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Unclean, unclean, the leper cried in torment. The deaf, the dumb, and helplessness stood near. The fever raged, disease had gripped its victim. Then Jesus came and cast out every fear. From home and friends, the evil spirits drove him. Among the tombs, he dwelt in misery. He cut himself as demon powers possessed him. And then Jesus came and set the captives free. And so men today have found that the Savior is able. They could not conquer passion, lust, and sin. Their broken hearts had left them sad and lonely. And then Jesus came and dwelt himself within. Now I want you to go back in the life of these stories. And I want you to go back to the first story that I told. And I want you to put yourself in the place of that man. If you could have walked with the man who had the legion, he probably would have told you that it had been a long time since he had any control over himself because you see these agents of Satan had taken over. He couldn't sleep at night. And did you hear what the passage said? He would cry out at night and he would cut himself with stones. And so can you just imagine in the still of the moment, in the still of the night, can you just imagine those loud cries coming out? I mean, we've just finished a season of Halloween. It's a little scary, isn't it? It's a little spooky to think about that. But those are the sounds that they would hear from far off in the distance. And you could hear him screaming. And he had made himself at home in the mountains and in the cemeteries, which a lot back then were like, little caves and he found himself not just hiding out but he found himself at home I mean this is where the man lived and he would cry out and he would cut himself you think about that day after day after day this guy was tired had no more pride he was completely out of control no man could bind him neither could anyone tame him they couldn't subdue him at all, the passage says. He cut himself with stones. And then, one day, a boat came by. 
And in his mind, he's probably thinking, here we go again. I've been down this road before. I've seen other boats come. And I've gone to those men to see what they could do, only to find myself still in the same helpless and hopeless situation. But in his mind, he's probably thinking, I better go and check this guy out. But then he thought, I'll do that, and then I'll just go back to life as usual. But what he didn't realize, this man is different because it's Jesus. The demons leave this man, and the next time people see him, this is my favorite part of the passage, he's sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And it's almost like the ones before didn't recognize him because they were used to seeing somebody that was suicidal, somebody that had cut themselves and somebody that just wasn't right. And now all of a sudden they're thinking, is this that same guy that we saw just yesterday? But you see, this man's now at peace. And he went on to the Decapolis And as much as he wanted to go with Jesus, I love when Jesus says, I want you to go home to your family and I want you to tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on your life. Then Jesus came and made it all right. Folks, we're sitting here this morning Because Jesus has given us mercy. Jesus is treating us in a way that we really don't deserve. Two things that you have to have every day. Grace and mercy. And if there's ever a day where you think that you can make it without those two things, I want you to come talk to me and let me know how that's going for you. You've got to have grace and you've got to have mercy. And on the other side of the lake, the crowd is waiting and among them stood Jairus, the ruler of all rulers of the synagogue. And he's wanting to find Jesus to let him know That my little girl, who is the apple of my eye, she's hurting. My little girl who looks so much like her mama and who is so sweet and who does things like normal little girls would do. Now she's hurting. And now she's come to a part of life where something is broken and I, as her daddy, can't fix it. And he probably goes on to tell him all other days I was able to be there for her and anything that was messed up I could take care of. He even tells Jesus, get the best of the best. Money's not an issue. And he didn't mean that sarcastically. He didn't mean that prideful as much as in an honest, soul-searching way. 
he wanted to do anything to save his daughter. And then Jesus says, don't quit yet. Continue to believe. And interrupting that story is a sick woman who had been bleeding to death. I mean, her life literally was draining from her. Slowly but surely, all she could think was, my life is coming to an end. Then, Jesus came. And he goes back and he weaves those two incidences together. And there in about verse 36 of chapter 5, he told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus sees this commotion with people crying out, and I mean, they're just wailing, and all they're thinking is, don't even go in, don't even bother, because She's dying, and there's not a thing that you can do. And yet, he put them all out, and he took the father and the mother and the disciples who were with him, goes into the room where the child was, takes her by the hand, and says, little girl, get up. About the time that people in the crowd are saying, it's impossible. Jesus comes on the scene, reaches out his hand, and speaks. And he speaks life back into that little girl. And she lives. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around and as the passage says, they were completely astonished. And slowly but surely, the lady who was bleeding to death all comes back together again. She's healed because Jesus came. And then... You see the disciples in the boat, terrible storm, lots of heavy rain, high winds, and Jesus came by and he climbed into the boat to which the disciples are probably thinking, it's about time. He climbs into the boat and he says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And at that, everything's calm. Storm's over, and the disciples are left once again to stand amazed at the power of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of miracle stories that we could tell just like these. But now I want to stop and say this you have a story, I have a story. Some of you are in the middle of a storm right now. 
Some of you are thinking, what's the use? Some are thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to turn to next. I've done everything I know to do. Sounds like somebody else in the story we just read. But I don't know where to turn next. Life is draining from you. You just feel like that Satan is just having a heyday with your life. Could we possibly say in our own walk with God this morning, and then Jesus came? There's no good end when you are in control of your life. And I want to say that again. There is no good end when you are in control of your life. And so what we long to be a part of, just like we see in these stories this morning, we long to see and to hear and to believe that truth, and then Jesus came. And the truth is, you and I can say that. And we can say it every day of life because we can choose to let Jesus take over our life. We don't have to let Satan have a heyday, do we? Again, Jesus is the master of every situation and the conqueror of every enemy. Church, it is past time that people of faith reel that back in and believe it and own it because that's exactly what God has done for us. He wants us to believe in his power that he can do it all. Because you see, there were a lot of 12-year-old girls that died that year in Palestine, but not Jairus' daughter. There were a lot of people that had diseases that chose not to come to Jesus. There were a lot of men who probably sank in the Sea of Galilee, but not these men. Because Jesus came. And you see, when Jesus comes walking by, it's more than just take notice. It's, I want to follow this man. Because when you follow him, you are believing and trusting and hoping in all that he has to carry with that. Amen? You're buying into that. And that is a good thing to buy into. There are people all over this world telling their story today. And for many, it's not going to end well. But your story can, and my story can, when we take ownership and realize And then Jesus came. And when he comes, how will you answer? Let's make these stories our story. And I don't know where you may be in your walk this morning, but I can tell you this, even in the middle of a storm, you still have a song to sing. Praise 
God that Jesus came. Praise God that Jesus still lives right now as we speak. And right now as we speak, some in this room may need to give their life to Jesus. All of it. And some may need to come back to him. And I don't know where you are, but I know this. It's always a good thing when Jesus comes. And one day, he's coming back to claim his own. Will we be ready? And what a grand story to be able to say, and then Jesus came.